Hey, Marcus. Yes. Do you like movies? Yes, I do. Hey, I'm Tume. Hey, what's up? <laughs> do you like movies? I love them. You love them? That's... Love, love and like are not always the same thing, but I think they're important no matter what. Indeed. I was... I was talking to someone the other day, and they were like, Scott, I love my grandson, but I don't like him very much. And I was like, fair enough. This is Zebras in America, movie podcast, episode 122, recording live from the compound of all of us. Um, we keep on continuing to navigate through recording in this new way, but we're making it work. Uh, for this episode, we have, one, you know, last week we had one of our third zebras. Today we have one of our third zebras, filmmaker, actor, musician, film professor, and most importantly, friend, Mtume Gant. Indeed. What's up, y'all? Good to be back. I miss y'all. I've missed you too, I, I have to say. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean... We've you and I have been friends for twenty years now. Yes, and and I've known I've known Marcus. God, Marcus has been what fifteen years now? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I know Marcus through you. Yeah. M two May, and you know me and M two May lived together with with Richard with Rich with Richard Reels for a long time, aka Dick Grundy. Dick Grundy, who. Sent us a very nice text message recently. He did. What's up, Rich? Yeah. I mean, I don't think Rich listens to our podcast, but if he does, but if he does, what up? I definitely sent him a soundbite of when we were talking about when all of us lived together and there was a sandwich spot that we would go to, Mama Louisa's. Um, What I would do for an eggplant parmesan hero on garlic bread right now. On garlic? I would like that. On garlic, but yeah, I'm sure anyone who who's been to New York City knows a classic Italian hero, hot or cold. So I have one piece of mails to read. Okay. Um, from one of my favorite zebras fans at this point, but before that, hi Doug and uh, and Tume, have you ever smoked PCP? No, I've done mescaline. I love I love mescaline with arugula and radicchio <laughs> and red onions. Not that mescaline, but um, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know. I'm making I'm making a joke. Um, for the possibility that I become a mental health care professional and someone somehow finds this podcast, I don't talk too much about my past with certain things, but I sort of wish I had mushrooms right now. Because I think now now would be an interesting time to take a heroic dose. Yeah, this is a podcast. And, uh, if people could see my face, I'd be making, I'm making a face. Yeah. I need more, we have I need a, more weed gummies. Yeah. Like, I was... Anyway, no comment. Um, <laughs> quarantine talk. So, quarantine talk. So... Uh, from our friend John Arminio, who sent me a postcard. But John, um, for whatever reason, there was no return address. So if I want to send you a postcard, you're going to have to give me your address. Because uh, pen, pen pals are a two-way thing. 
It's a two-way street, my friend. <laughs> okay. Dear Zebras, on your most recent episodes, Scott mentioned loving Norwegian metal when played at a low volume and in the background, which is true. Also, Lou Reed's metal machine music at a very low volume is transcendent. At a very high volume, it's terrible. Utter, utter, utter difficult nonsense. Um... So, as he, uh, back to John. While all sorts of Scandinavian metal is a great passion of mine, I certainly understand the atmospheric appeal many of the bands of that ilk possess. For background listening, might I recommend the wonderful Australian black metal band Midnight Odyssey, whose lyrical subject matter ex is exclusively deep space and the eternal cold found there. And he sent us a link. In keeping with this theme, have you seen the 2013 Icelandic film Metalhead, directed by Ragnar Bragason and starring Thora Björg Helga? No, I haven't. It's a wonderful drama about a young woman in a small town in Iceland during the early 1990s who loses her brother in a totally random farming accident. She is also traumatized by the loss that she begins to take on the metalhead identity of her brother and isolates herself from her family, leading to increasingly destructive behavior. When she discovers black metal, she begins to indulge in the more and much publicized destructive elements of that scene, the way the film resolves itself, getting credence to her identity, the concerns of her family, and the self-actualization abilities heavy metal can have is incredibly well-balanced and heartwarming. This is in contrast to both the Lords of Chaos film and book, which, while based on actual events, seems content to showcase the most outlandish and crass testimonials of the people who participated in the church burning and violence of the early 1990s. Because, as, as you guys may know, in the Norwegian black metal scene, there was, like, much publicized, like, this band killed one of their members and, like, on stage or something. I forget what it is, but, like, they really took shit too far. You know, like, yeah, like they were Florida. The show. Yeah, Frank uh, was telling me about this, actually. Not, not, as, soon, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, Frank was <clears throat> who I used to, we used to have lunch together. He was, he went on about this. Now that I, yeah, I, so, like, way before, you know, people joked about Florida Man, which I'm going to talk about. I'm actually going to bring up Florida Man and the concept of it when we get into the subject matter of the episode. Norwegian metal was like the Florida man of the 90s. Yeah. Okay, back to, back to John. While Metalhead is both fictional and takes places hundreds of miles away from the epicenter of the black metal scene, it seems much more rooted in emotional truth and is definitely worth seeking out. If nothing else, it is absent any of the vile racist nonsense espoused by Varg Vickerns, which Lords of Chaos is only happy to reproduce. Sorry, I can get to babbling when it comes to metal. I hope you are still doing well, both mentally and physically. Stay safe, John. John, you can babble as much as you need to us. Um, you know, for our fans, if you want to send us letters, we always love that. And if that helps you get through the time that you're going through right now, you know, we like, I like to think of us as not just a film podcast, but also a self-help podcast and a psychologist help podcast. And really, I hope that this, that this podcast can be a circle of mutual aid where we can all help each other. So I'm writing down these movies because they, they really do sound excellent. I don't know about you guys. I wrote down that. But, I want to hear that album. The, the, the group. Oh, yeah. I can, I, I can send you... 
I'll send you the Yo, link. Death do that. I want to. I want to hear that. That sounds very interesting. I right? Yeah, I like you know, and um, I don't know if if I've asked you this, John, but have, do you like the band Liturgy? They're they're a post metal band. I which I found out is a genre only a little while ago. Um, so there's that. All right, so. I think with with all of that being said, are we ready to get into the the topics of the day? Ready. Of course. So do we want to so our plan for today was to talk about um Lay Wennell's Invisible Man and Ken Loach's Sorry We Missed You. So, which one would y'all like to start with? Damn. That's a, that's a tough one, man. I no, know. I know. Because it's almost like, what do you want to end the episode on? And neither is... Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like you want to go out on a nice note. Yeah, shit. <laughs> There's no nice note There's for these none. movies. Both, you know... Why don't we start sor- with Invisible sorry, Man? Why don't we start with Invisible Man? Invi- yeah, Invisible Man is a... Is a horror movie about the horrors of violence and and lots of things. And Sorry We Missed You is about the horrors of capitalism. So yeah. they're both horror movies, in my opinion. Yeah. With, with, with both having really difficult endings and Sorry We Missed You having possibly the most gut-wrenching ending of a movie I've seen in a very long time. Same. But yeah, Invisible Man. So... Um, Leigh Wannell, who wrote many of the Saw movies and did did a couple, directed a couple horror movies, and a couple years ago did the Super Slept on Upgrade, which is a movie that Marcus and I are are big fans of. Absolutely. Have you ever seen Upgrade? M2A? You know, I haven't seen it, and 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 you 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 would dig it. I'm gonna check it out now. You you would, yeah. You know, the thing about this movie that that is unfortunate is that people decided to project so much onto Invisible Man instead of just seeing it for what it was, which is like a, a pretty good thriller. And Upgrade is just a good sci-fi revenge movie. It's like of the ilk of the 90s. Like, it could exist in the world of Cyborg or something, but with a, with a higher production value and a pretty good story. Yeah. And the pa- the pacing is excellent. The music is good. The, you know, I, I think I called it like Saw and RoboCop meets Blade Runner, you know? It's definitely... So yeah. I was excited. I was excited to see what Leigh Wennell did. And then, and then I found out that he directed this most recent version of Invisible Man, which is a trope that's been existing since the dawn of film about you know, a man who's invisible. But in this one we get we get this this new version of Invisible Man that that ha- that takes on a less supernatural tone. Do you guys want to touch on the 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 plot of it a little bit? Yeah, I I um <clears throat> sorry. I um what was I going to say? I actually appreciate the way they put a twist on it it kind of reminded me of shane black's um take on mandarin where it's like how are they gonna do this it's it's, it's too much 
And then it turns out they, it's like, oh, you know, I actually kind of like that, you know, where it's like, but essentially this movie, you know, it's about a woman who escapes her uh, abusive husband and then, how, oh, how, how much spoilers, because it's a huge spoiler, even though if you watch the trailer, as a lot of folks do, you kind of get it at this point. Do we want to? I don't like, watch like the, trailers. It's based or like the middle. Just like, you know, I don't want to see, you know, like Elizabeth Marsh plays a character who escapes her, you know, abusive husband. But then it's like, okay, but like, is he dead or is he not? Because someone... That's in the trailer. That's in yeah, the trailer. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Because someone okay, is haunting we... her. And, and, and it's this whole play on... And again, I have to touch I on... Would... So what Scott said was, though, he was saying, like, people projected a lot, a lot of stuff onto this movie. But to some degree... In the actual promotion of the movie, in the words of the writer, filmmaker themselves, they were intentionally trying to make a movie about the phrase "believe women in me too." The only and thing is, I think people got caught up on that part and didn't like because there's a whole entertaining horror element. I know it's weird to say right. a movie about like spousal abuse. It's also entertaining, but like it it is also a fun thriller. There's some cool scenes. The whole showdown, like in, but like the whole last right. twenty minutes so, of the movie. So it's like I think people also just, could kind of get into the horror thriller element of it too. Sorry, go ahead. Scott. Right, just just one second. I think I think for the sake of the discourse, let's include spoilers. Okay, good, I agree. Good. Ha- okay. I think I kind of so, have to. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah. So struggling so much. It's so like, if you're listen. if you're listening right now, we're gonna start talking about the film with spoilers. Yeah. Second, second, um, uh, I was going to say, oh no, I lost my thought. But, again, I don't know what, what people were saying in the trailer or what, what the goal was of the movie. I just was like, this is a movie about someone who escapes spousal abuse and then thinks that they're losing their mind because all this weird shit starts happening and then you start making the connection that maybe her abusive ex-partner is somehow you know dealing somehow haunting her right and then you you find out that he was this weird scientist who created an invisibility suit yeah which is what and, I was getting into. I, I like that. That was like my play on like, oh, this is them doing the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. Because it's like, because I, from just before seeing it, it's like, okay, this seems like a slightly more realistic take on the Invisible Man. And actually what Mtume was saying is true. Like the trailer, which I know, Scott, you don't watch trailers, but I'm just saying the trailer gives a lot away. It's a good thing you actually, you probably didn't watch the trailer, Scott, because the trailer was like, oh, this is like, well, the whole movie, the mo- especially those first few seconds, it's like, damn, why you like Jesus? The movie, yeah. Oh, oh. If I can just respond, I just remembered what I was, what I was thinking about when you were saying, oh, this entertaining movie about spousal abuse. I think what makes art interesting and what is the beauty of art is that any subject matter can be approached in a way where you're entertained or or horrified, or scared, or interested, and so I don't think any topic is off-limits, I just think it's it's about how you approach it. Yeah, true. So, the, true, the, movie, it... the movie isn't an entertaining movie, and the, the focus of it is this woman who's been 
abused mentally and emotionally and then all this other horrifying shit happens but what what the reason why I thought it was a good movie is it was it was entertaining and it told the story in a very interesting well-paced way it was a movie that hit all hit many of its goals it was scary and it was entertaining and it did talk about abuse in a way that I thought was very thoughtful. Yeah, I mean, to even add on to that, yeah, you're right. Because now that, as, as you talk, I'm thinking about, so take something like Twin Peaks, which has its hilarious moments, its thrilling moments, its horrific moments, its funny, weird, whatever. But at its root, something like Twin Peaks is about, like, incest. It's essentially about incest. His father's yeah. se- sexually abusing his daughter, so fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's right. interesting, like, the, the, the movie doesn't really ever attempt like what I one thing there's a few things I like about the movie I'll be honest I didn't really like the movie but um there's a few things I liked about it I like that it did not ever really go too far in the is she crazy you 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 get pretty clear that she's not Right, you get pretty clear early, at least for me. Like it was pretty clear that, like, no, her husband is he—he he done figured some shit out. Oh, that's the point. Yeah. Oh, oh, but no, I'm saying no, no they could have they could have went the other way and did the is she crazy, which I thought would have would yeah they could have gone with the hysterical woman. Trope yeah, and 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 and, 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 I, and, and then, and then we wait for an hour and a half to find out that she's not hysterical, rather than it's more about the people reacting to her hysteria which i think which i yeah. do think was a better attempt was one of the things i did like about the movie's um narrative scope that's something that i did think was a good choice but kind of going what you're saying marcus about like people reading into it it's interesting because i think some of the what the problems that i have with the movie are are baked into the casting and yeah. and um, some of the character tropes that they put together that I think it's hard for right. people to not think of these things, even if it's not the film's intent. Like Elizabeth Moss, Elizabeth Moss. I'm not saying she shouldn't get work, but she's she's Handmaid's Tale. Like she literally is the poster child for a certain type of Hollywood Even feminism. Her character, made, her character in Made Men, her work with Alex Ross Perry, right. like, it's not, it's not, I mean, yeah, Handmaid's Tale is, like, the pinnacle, yeah. but a lot of what, what she does is associated with, yeah, no, you're absolutely So, like, people are gonna attach, like, larger narrative, and I'm sure that's why they got her, too, because they knew they could sell this, right. they could sell this in this post-Me Too, or are we in Me Too anymore? I don't, I don't know, but I think people have different, um, opinions on that but in this me too world we me too conscious world she's like a if i don't know if there's a bigger like just actress symbol there is right well i think i i think me too and time's up are are paradigm shifts of attempting to hold people accountable and be informed of this undercurrent of men behaving disgustingly in the Hollywood business towards women because there's also a whole current of like what happened to the Corey's Corey Haim and Corey Feldman and what what happened to young men in the 80s and probably the entirety so so people have been acting disgusting and using their power for 
for terrible means for a long time and me too and times up has been an attempt to hold people accountable and whether that's been successful or not is is hard to say and I, i'm really not as as you know as a as a straight white cis hetero man i'm not trying to be the person to talk on what is appropriate or isn't appropriate or whatever but i think i think putting a a light on this behavior is is helpful and useful and i think elizabeth moss has if you've if you've been living under a rock <laughs> she's the star of the handmaid's tale which is a hulu show based on a margaret atwood book about a dystopic puritarian christian america where Patri- where women pa- 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 patriarchal america patriarchal america where if if you are one of those people that think that if you listen to Portishead you're smart it's one of those things where you can watch it and think you're deep but sure. or Radiohead it's a, but go ahead or yeah and it I think Radiohead's a better example yeah and I like Radiohead because <laughs> I like Radiohead and Portishead yeah, it's, you know I exactly it's not I know about, what you mean though you know it's it, the joke I make is like it's when Jesse Jesse Eisenberg Ehrenberg character in Squid and the Whale calls Kafka Kafka esque. You know yeah. people that think that they're yeah. smarter stuff. So, <laughs> Handmaid's Tale is is like is like a neoliberal's dream of what of what totalitarianism looks like. But if you if you pay attention to the world we live in right now. We live in a totalitarian wasteland already. So, so I have to ask. I some of the issues that I had with Handmaid's Tale, I had with Invisible Man. Yeah, such as I want to know. Yeah, it, like, it, like, go on. It sits. Please. It sits. So you know, like I said, I liked that. I liked that. Um, that preface that they weren't going to do the whole woman is possibly crazy let's figure it out and then like the last 10 minutes we figure out that she's not i like that the thing that always irked me about the movie throughout though was i did not like that the patriarch the her, the guy was so generic i thought that was a major fail for the movie and i think that's part of the issue marcus for people watching it because he is so generic you can just put anything on him he could become anything. And I was just kind of like, I think you're doing your movie a disservice. Um, he's too generic. And then like when we get to, when we get to him, it would have been one thing if he was like, we didn't know much about him. And then when we got to them and we met him, there was something really dynamic about him. And I get maybe they wanted to do the, the like mediocre white guy type of thing. But I'm also kind of like, he built an invisible suit. He can't be that freaking mediocre. <laughs> That's a good point. Good point. <laughs> he can't be that mediocre. So I'm yeah. kind of like, or less maybe he stole it. Like, like define the character more. Like patriarchy is a really, to me, definable thing. And I think because yeah. they refuse to define it outside of like a certain way, like or a certain yeah. generic kind of way, I think people can just throw whatever they want on it. That was probably my major issue, which I think took me out of a lot of the movie. And for scenes that I will say, I do think some of the 
the like the the thriller stuff was designed well. Like I can I can honestly say when I'm like when she's escaping the um the the mental hospital and he's like trying to kill her and he's killing everybody. I was I was in it. I was in it. I was watching. I was like, yeah, this is good. Everything yeah. that was like kind of the movement, I was into it. But when it got to like the narrative, I was kind of like when her sister died, I definitely was in it too. I was like, ooh, that was good. I was like, this is yeah. good. And I thought yeah. I thought when the sister got killed, they were gonna like just go somewhere. And we were gonna know more about him. Yeah. But then I like, get to stay generic. And I was kinda like, eh, I need more specificity. That was my one other issue. I have another biggest right. issue, but I don't we should stay here, but I have another big issue that has that has to do with Aldous Hodge, but we'll get to that in a little later. I mean I I mean I yeah, got I got I can, into it a bit on, on I know you on did. My own. Yeah. If I if I may if I may add a couple things, you know, Again, like, I like when, I I think genre has so much potential. So, I always like it when genres or movies attempt to go a little deeper into their depth. Yeah. So, I did, I did really like that they didn't take the, his, the hysterical woman approach with the character, you know. There was a moment where I was like, "Oh, are they gonna do the like the yellow wallpaper?" You know, the short story by Charlotte Perkins Gilman about you know first person like the important early work of American uh, feminist literature about this this woman who they're figuring out what what's going on yeah with her and she's forbidden to do certain things and encouraged to to act in a certain way so. I was interested in in them not going there, and I do. When you when you said to me, Mark, and to me just now about the one dimensionality of the character, like did he steal it or whatever, it reminded me of this character in Marvel Comics called the Hood, who who is a super villain who was created by Brian K. Vaughn, who wrote Saga and The Runaways and Why the Last Man and Ex Machina, the comic book, not the movie. They're not related at all and it's about a character who who just like accidentally finds some like some boots and a hood that make him invisible and instead of becoming a good guy he becomes a bad guy so that would have been interesting like that sounds cool like 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 he was like exactly if, if he was like some rich dude who basically had like a he he had hired a uh, a big team of scientists feeded them like shit. Right. Stole stole their stuff, you know what I'm saying, and then made himself invisible to go get his wife. Then I'm like, I'm getting a character. Right now, I was kind of like, is he a genius? Is he not? What? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Who is this right. guy? Um, uh, so I thought that, that you brought up a really good idea, really good interesting idea. So the fact that the character just sort of fell flat was was disappointing like when you finally meet the character you're like oh you're just you're just like this you're just a a one-dimensional evil dude yeah you're Bieber. throughout the movie <laughs> throughout throughout the movie when you think that her her boy her boyfriend so she escapes uh, not dissimilar to a movie that we've discussed on text message that this film saw so, felt sort of connected to the 1990s d- 
disaster sleeping with the enemy with julia roberts oh it's totally i mean everything everything from like the right down to the, end. the beach the, the beach home the, she opens it a beach yep. home the end right yep. you, you pointed out marcus with the with the gun the the shooting yeah that was like totally yep. sleeping yeah. with the enemy yep. so sleeping with the enemy for for people who don't know about it was a 90s movie with julia roberts where she fakes her own death to escape an abusive relationship and there's some interesting parts of the movie but i wouldn't say it's a good movie but there's a lot of similarities with invisible man and sleeping with the totally. enemy just there's there's a sci-fi element in invisible man and in invisible man uh the man fakes his own death not elizabeth moss she just runs away and she escapes this this relationship and for a while there's also the the invisible man's brother who's this creepy dude who's contacting her and being like he's left you all this money but if you do this and you do that you won't get the money but i just want to touch on one more thing that you brought up into me was so one of the movies one of my most hated movies one of the movies that i just was incredible incredibly painful to watch and a movie that i never want to watch again but i think is is a brilliant movie in some ways and is one of the most horrifying movies i've ever seen is todd salon's happiness you know guys what what do you mean so happiness is a horrifying movie where with a with a three-dimensional child molester as one of the protagonists. Right. And yeah. Oh, the yeah. So, and the movie caught the movie got a lot of flack because the character of of a of a pedophile was a complex character uh, with yeah, ranges yeah, yeah. of emotions. Sure. And that's what made the movie horrifying to me was that was that it had this character who was all these things and but it didn't take away the monster quality of it in fact i was like wow this movie's really fucking deranged so if they had gone that route and had the character of the invisible man be complex that would have made right. it more interesting and 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 and, that, and like that's like literally like the long and short of what i'm saying like I, I, I didn't necessarily need him to, to like take up more space from her, but like right. I think there's a dimensionality that needed to exist. And the reason why I say this is important because I, I, I think there's a thing that's happening in a lot of like popular movies where they make things very generic where then people can attach any narrative they want to it. I think they do a lot of that stuff on purpose. So that's like so someone can like I can say this movie's about fascism, and then someone can say, "Well, this movie's about anti-fascism," right? <laughs> I almost, I think almost the op. I agree with what you're saying in general, but with this movie, I think they just made it intentionally one-dimensional, so there couldn't be any, generally speaking, there couldn't be any discrepancy whatsoever. And I think people are scared to do that. I think for many reasons, there's not a lot of nuance left. There's not a lot. Like the minute you suggest. Well, there's a humanistic quality. What you think is a human? Oh, well, and, and I think a lot of filmmakers, storytellers, <laughs> right. anyone is, is you can't is do that. that. There's this there's this big trend, especially in the liberal world, where 
you don't give any credit to the ability of the enemy. Right. Yeah. Right? Where where you can't say like, oh, this person is smart or this is, you know, like if you say Donald Trump is kind of hilarious in some ways, you're like, no, he's not. Right. He's terrible. I'm I said, like, I'm I said not saying he's I said, not terrible. I said, I said Trump is really good at trolling. How dare you give him credit? But he is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> he if, is. Because if you're... If you're saying, how dare you give him credit, he's trolled you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So I think think it's naive. Sorry. I think it's naive to not give your enemies credit because I think it allows you to really have a better idea of how to beat them. Like, I read read right-wing articles, and I watch Fox News occasionally. So I understand what they're talking about. So if you tell me that that the right wing are dumb and and they don't know what they're doing and they're the party of ignorance, I'm like, one, do you see what you just did there by saying that? And two, considering how much they've been able to get done politically in the past three years, exactly. if you think they're if you think they're not smart, then they're doing their job really well. Just because you don't use big words doesn't mean you're not intelligent. Of course. So there's that. And I also think that... Uh, I'm sorry, Marcus, you had something you wanted to say? Yeah, I just want to put... <clears throat> sorry, I do see from both sides because, like, just... It's true, like, there's that famous recent Onion article where it's, like, bad news, someone you hate made a good point. <laughs> right. And I think, like, even as a... We all... <clears throat> excuse me. We all... I think I think like the, 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 there's a line because you don't want to. It, it, I think it's a balancing act, and I think for a lot of people who don't want to put in the effort for that kind of thought, they just want to be like, "This person sucks. Everything about him, fuck off. I don't want anything to do with you." I think that makes it easy because if if you start to let, well, they are kind of smart. Well, they are, and then and then there's right. that fear of like, which I understand, but but you can't always do that. I think with some people. Or some entities, some things you can be like completely fuck off, but I think certain things you have to kind of address. But and, and it's a hard balancing act. Like take me for someone, uh, a black person who absolutely loves cinema, right? And and it's not just about loving cinema, but like I'm fascinated. Like a lot of my side by side comes from the fact that hey, who did this first? Where did this technique come from originally? Who innovated it? And a lot of racist filmmakers openly racist filmmakers from, you know, Kenneth Anger to the obvious D- 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 W. Griffith invented or did or pioneered things that I really enjoy. So if you're interested in history, it sucks. You have to give this guy, these guys credit, but like facts are facts. Yeah. And, I, and I think, you know, so I, I, I don't mind it. And there's also a human element. I, I, I It's also in my right to be like, I don't give a shit. Fuck you. If, even if you have good points or someone else who I don't like, well, you kind of ha- have a point. I just think the average person doesn't want to. And I understand to some degree because it can kind of drive you crazy. But I think a lot of people don't want to put that much thought into, well, maybe this, that, man, man, you know, um, they have to be singular. I, I, I like they have to yes, be yes. in totality, in totality for, for people to get or feel, feel comfortable. Their enemies have to like be uncomfortable. And there are, I, I need to add in quick too, there are some people who really like to get off on the surface level of just saying, I think, I think. oh, this is what I was going to say too. I, I, I think people don't want to give any credence 
or, or, or open a window to because then, then you bring in certain folks who do exist, and there's a lot of them who have no thought, who have no opinion. Their only thought is to just be like, oh, how can I just agree with the opposite yeah. thing? But there's no depth to it. It's just like, well, okay, yeah. So Hitler actually had a nice haircut. So, and they're just, it's such a corny, like, you're just trying to be provocative for the sake of being provocative. You're contrarian. And I'm speaking about myself absolute contrarians and and there's and and there's certain people who who get that contrarian uh stamp and it's unfair and then there's other people who who do who do do deserve it so it's it, it it's one of those things so right and i i have a i have a couple things to add to that yeah um i've been writing on my hand as to not interrupt you guys i remember one time and you explained to me that my thoughts about movies that were contrary to to popular thought were not hot takes because they were not intended to be hot exactly that a hot take a hot take intends to be provocative or troll yeah where you don't you don't really mean if if you have substance behind a hot take it's by accident (laughs) right so i have substantial takes that are not part of the mainstream but they're not hot they're not necessarily hot takes and I think, I think depriving the world of nuance is sort of how emojis are leading us to new speak <laughs> by, by simplifying our, our words and making, making our Rolodex of words different and smaller we have less ways to describe and then things are it's easier to get in line so you know in the early days of comic books there was a code that said villains were not allowed to be two dimensional mm. otherwise people might relate to them Ooh, see. but then mm. but then when yeah. they changed the code you now what really makes a good comic book or comic book movie is 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 the villain good? Right. Do you, not good person. Like, is the villain interesting? Yeah, and like yeah. I and like I get it. Like, y- y- you don't want to, you know, going back to Invisible Man, you don't want the film to then become a um, an idea of you know understanding the pain of this guy and why he became. Yeah. I get that, and right. that's not. We're not. We're not, we're advocating not trying to. For that. No, because one thing I do want to say that I wrote down is that, you know. When it it would be interesting to unlock and talk about the the horror of abusive relationships, yes. and the thing about abusive relationships is that there is something about that person that caused the relationship to start. So there were, and there's usually there is sometimes something, quote unquote, positive that keeps someone in there. I'll say one thing: sleeping so with the enemy I'm did not, do better than than this. Is you did understand why she was with him. Right, you don't understand why Elizabeth Moss's character is with this person nope. to begin with. I, oh, I kind of did. I mean, she went in so much like she's like an e- like low self esteem, insecure, like easy manipulation. But I needed to see kinda, it from him too, though. Like, I wish I would have seen oh, it from him. Enough. Like, oh, I get it. Like, I could get why Julia Roberts' character 
Um, even though that guy's so silly in the movie. We were talking oh about that over text how silly he was. Telly, it should have been my man. What was his name? What's his name? Um, what did we say? It should have been Ron Silver, man. Yeah. Had Ron Silver did that, bring bring some of that um that uh I, I thought that about blue, that, that, that Ron Silver Ron Silver's steel stat- energy. His stature wasn't as as uh, domineering yeah. as the as the husband into sleep. So I think that's part of I know. Julia Roberts isn't the she's not short and compared to women. So they yeah. had to get a guy who towered over her and actually kind of felt like, yeah, no, I, I totally know, but I'm not mad. At, I'm not mad at, I, at rest in peace, Ron Silver. I'm not mad at him being cast. In I just love Rod Silver. In the mid nineties, he just faded away, which, yeah. which, which is, which is a shame. I just want to say that we're not for one second advocating to be like, we understand this guy who is, Oh, abusive. that's not what not we're saying. All. We're not, it, yeah. we're not but, like, but that character, in, we're, it's not, that character. In fact, I really, I really do hate like, you know, when when the news tries to understand, you know, when when a when usually a white person does a spree yeah, killing or sucks. a murder, you know, they try to be like, this was what he went through, yeah. and this is what they understand. You know, Dylan Roof was bought Burger King on the way to the cop, the police station after. Cr- committing a terrorist act of murdering a bunch of people at a black church. Listen, where, I, I when, had a conversation when, with... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I thought you were done. Where, whereas... where So we always want to understand white mental illness and white abuse. Whereas that's not what I'm advocating for by any means. But what was interesting... Especially when there's, especially when there's such a, a opposite when it comes to women or or men or women of color or where where mental health is not considered and you know you have pictures of Dylan Roof looking like happy whereas if if a young black man is killed by the police they never find a nice picture Look, I had the you know same exact mean? conversation what Scott is saying right now part of the conversation I had with with, with a friend was like I don't want to sound like a jerk, but when you look at some of the kids who do, like take Columbine, for example, or other kids who did school shootings, when you get into their, they were immediately like, well, they were bullied. Like, look, look at what they went through. And that's fair. But then no one, even today, outside of like the post an iconic picture, I don't really see too many people <clears throat> do that for like, look at the first black kids who integrated schools, like the shit that they had. It's like, I, I, I hate to whittle it down, but it's like, okay, so... This kid had some spitballs thrown at him. He was shoved into a locker, whereas you had these other kids who were like, you know, death threats, punched in the face, just walking, you know, to school, and they didn't get that same kind of sympathy. Uh, sympathy. But that's, you know, um, so I just find that interesting. Yeah, and, and, and anyway. the reason why I brought up Stephen with the enemy was I was saying was, you mean, trust me, no one empathizes with that asshole of a character. But what I thought was interesting was you get the understanding of the world and how um, this person uh, that Julie Roberts played would get, you know, a lot of times I think people say, well, why do people, why why is a woman in an abusive relationship? It was her choice to stay. What is her problem? People say that all the time and it's really disrespectful and really messed up. But when you see someone manipulate someone, you get it. Like you understand, you're like, man, yeah. I can get, anybody can be duped. Anybody. 
Anybody can be duped, abused, and tricked, and then find themselves, oh my God, the person that I love is a fucking monster. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. I, I, that's something I would say Sleeping with the Enemy did do better than this movie, which I felt, I guess going back to my original, you know, tug of war with it, was just that, that, that big antagonist side not fully developed just it kind of let it fall flat to me and and yeah, that was I'm not mad my, at my, that. my main then i did have one other issue but marcus i would actually like you to talk about the aldous hodge thing that that, that, that you wrote first because that you wrote out because like i can i can pivot something from there yours is much better but i have a a a, a energetic issue <laughs> Sure. I, I don't, oh, 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 okay. I already know where you're going to go with that. Well, sure. And, and you know, I, I, I remember that there was a different draft of, of my review. I, I saved certain talking points because I now have a podcast so that you know, I don't want to give everything out, you know, you know, my writing on Pillin Empire. But one thing that I found in- interesting, and this issue was much bigger than The Invisible Man, but it's like this movie is just like there's multiple women who are beaten, murdered, killed, you know, throughout this yeah. movie. And then I just, and then for like a good weekend, there was this kind of trending thing of just like, Ooh, Aldous Hodge, he could be my invisible man. Look at this sexy guy, blah, 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 blah. And then, and then it's one of those things where like, I didn't force it. I, 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 I pointed out, you know, in, in my review that like, depending on who or what, or what you are, you just look at things differently. And recently ranging from this recent piece on there will be blood to like past views on something like a marriage story, I actually don't feel that bad about like what some might consider reaching is the fact that like you're kind of thirsting over this guy. One in a movie that it there's nothing thirst about this movie. There's nothing attractive. There's nothing sexy. It's like how did you find time to like look at this guy's ass and his muscles when it's like spoiler alert, the women's throats are getting. Slit like this young girl's getting beat across her head aside the room, you know all, all this stuff, and it did it. It just triggered a lot of thoughts about like it's funny because you know again Aldous Hodge and it, you know it was a lot of white women. And it's like Aldous Hodge, you expressing your feelings about how sexy this black man is, what it got him killed, uh, you know, de- decades ago, and to some degree. Me being a youngish, large black man—that's kind of, that—that—that's my horror story. Yeah. You know, just the, it's like there, there's there's this scene in the middle of um, uh, Carl Franklin uh, uh, in Devil in a Blue Dress, where Denzel Washington is right. waiting for Tom Sizemore's character, and this white uh... woman comes up to him and starts talking to him, and he's totally like giving her one where he's like, "Yeah," it's like, "Are you okay?" "Yeah, I'm fine." And he really wants to be like, "Yo, get the fuck away from me, please!" <laughs> I, I forgot please about leave that me scene. Alone right now. I don't want any trouble, even though you're not giving me trouble. It's like, you know how this goes. Like, this is the 19, late 1940s. Leave me alone. And then, of course, what happens, these group of white guys come and say, hey, you talking? And, and that shit is true. Yeah. And I think, but I don't want to take away from, like, the females, like, because females suffer physical and mental abuse at a crazy rate. So I don't want to co-op their story, just like so many people love to co-op black struggles. But at the same time, that, that's just where, where my mind went. And I've also been, I've literally been in that position of Denzel Washington's character. I was in, of course, Boston. I was in a gym once. This woman was texting on her phone by the squat machine and she wasn't using it. And I was like, excuse me, are you done? She didn't hear me. So I was like, even though I was like, excuse me, are you done? And then the minute I said that, these three white meatheads dropped their weights and stood toward, and they're oh, like, hey, shit. what's going on? Yeah, no, no, that literally happened. So trust me. So, so yeah. that you, and the dynamic was, I'm this large black man. She was this tiny white woman, and I was going, oh, excuse me. And the minute 
Like, literally, like, it was, I seen out of a movie, these white, like, the weights, like, you heard the weights drop, and it's like, is everything okay over here? And I was like, I'm just asking if she's done with, with, with the machine. So, Dude, so I, that's where, so, you know, look, so I, that's where my, my mind went to. And, and it's, it, right. I, I hear you, Marcus, and like, look, as a, I'm not a large man, but I'm a black man, and like, you know, still, I, I, yeah, still. I teach on a college campus with lots of young people, young women, young women who are not of color, and like, you know, yeah. There's always that awareness you have to have as a black man uh, when you're around, especially non-black women and really white women. You have to be very, very, very aware of what things can be perceived. And but you know what's interesting about that is that there's like a I think because there is such a, a a premium on like the scary black man that they also love to do, like, the extreme opposite. And that was my issue, I kind of think, with Aldous Hodges' character. He was such a dimwit. Like, yeah, he was yeah, such a dimwit. Yeah, he was, he was like this dim... Yeah. He, he was like this do-gooder black guy. I, 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 I can't lie. The, every time he called her C, it made my fucking skin crawl. Hey, C. Yeah. Hey, C. Yo, yo, C. Because they do this thing with black men sometimes were like i feel like they don't see us as like <laughs> like we're either really villainous or we're like kind of happy go lucky and we're just do-gooders it's just really weird to me and the presence of black people there in the movie was just really weird i would rather have have had them not be black to be honest with you i would rather have oh, been it been some Absolutely. generic white guy some generic white family she went and stuff because like I do think they made him black on purpose. Like this wasn't like, oh, oh Aldous Hodge's cast because we want to. He's the best actor who walked in. No, they specifically no. made him black yeah. with his black daughter and like to kind of make some kind of um, sense of you know of her. You know, she's giving to this black family, and it, it, it just irked me. And like the whole thing just Same. irked me. And I was just like, I don't like what you're doing here because it's super half baked. And you're not gonna do anything really real with it. So I wish you would just stop. <laughs> and I yeah. think because of that, right? Like other things that you, uh, Marcus, you know, they come out because of that. But, but go ahead, Scott. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, yeah. and there's there's obviously like complexities that could have been brought up that they didn't, which is always a missed opportunity. And you know, I think about what the the '90s film Candyman. Mm-hmm which deals with violence and race and supernatural things. Even though it's a horror, it's clearly a 90s horror movie, it dealt with the the history of it, I thought, really well. I agree. And I don't... I don't. I know they're making a new version of it, but I thought Bernard Rose's Candyman from the 90s, which dealt with the... the... The issues of class and race and Cabrini greenhouses and all of these things really well. Where this movie, I just thought, was a fine horror movie, but if you tried to get into the social aspects of it, it fell a bit short. I think the less they would have done the social aspects of it and made them kind of hinted, I I would have liked the movie more. I think yeah, I, I mean, think the, the more yeah, they the, try to do things, it it, it 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 was working less for me. The spoon feed part, too, like, towards the end when it's just, like, you know, 
there's that whole speech in the police station where it's like, no, he's not the victim. I'm the victim. At that, it's like, we get it. Like, yo, you didn't need to say that. Like, <laughs> like it's a little insulting. Like, we watched the last 90 minutes. Like, we yeah, know that we know we're it's not up. dumb. Right. Yeah. I get a little annoyed when, when we're taken as, as dummies. And that scene specifically was yeah. very much like, hey, just in case you didn't know, this is what the movie's about. It's like, we know. I'll say one. I'll say one thing also. Is like, Blumhouse just loves these kind of movies. Oh, I tweeted about it or what? Like they have this, they have this new movie coming out. Have you seen the trailer? No, I haven't. What, what is oh, it? Oh, see, okay. So it's funny. So I saw Invisible Man in the theater. So Bloomhouse has a new movie coming out where it's about this single black mom gets on a dating app. Oh God! And she hits it off. She hits it off with this white guy, and then the white guy turns out to, and then the movie turns into surviving the game. I no! Swear to God, this coming, no! Oh, you didn't know? Yeah, no! Yeah. I guess people haven't been to the theater. Yeah. So this is the new no! Bloomhouse movie. So it's like from Get Out. To this, to Ma. To, oh, and Ma. Oh, Ma. I forgot about Ma. And then here's the problem. Yo, I watched Ma. How was this guy? Did y'all actually watch? No. Ma? It was. It I, was. Ter- it was terrible. It was. I did also. I actually didn't mind it, but when the whole reveal of what this whole thing is about—that oh, this is some Bloomhouse shit. <laughs> when, when I finally discovered what when, when Scott and Scott can attest this, when you the whole flashback scene, it's like, oh, son of a, oh, you guys really just say you love. Like or don't love interracial. Like it's this whole the, the horror of interracial relationships. Like that's, what, oh, that's like no. half of Bloomhouse's bread and butter. I swear to it God, it really, it really is, and it's corny. Yeah. No, Bloomhouse, Bloomhouse is is like the A twenty four of <laughs> of um trauma. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. Especially, you know, that with with very very small-minded thoughts about race relations. Uh, yep. Yeah, really. But A24 sometimes has has uh, has small-minded thoughts about yeah, race relations as well. Either. Did A24 do no. the Florida Project? I was, yes, yo, yes, I just finally yes, just did. saw the Florida Project. Oh, and I didn't know you hadn't seen it. No, because it kind of just glossed over it, and uh, it's brilliant visually, but... Like, you know, I can't. It's it's a uh, it's beasts of the southern wild without the magical <laughs> realism. Is beasts yeah. of the southern park or beasts of the southern uh, <laughs> the southern delta or some shit? I don't know, man. And it's even with that movie. ending, I don't get. It's like okay, so that little girl's lost now. Like, what, what's the what's the romantical part about that ending? It's like, I. I don't know. Like, like he, he really like that, that, that ending, especially Sean Baker really tried to like romanticize and, and make beauty out of a really shitty. Uh, I can't with like, Sean oh, Baker, the, man. The lighting and the atmosphere is so beautiful as this woman's daughter's being t- t- taken away. Isn't it beautiful? I know right. that might yeah. not be what he's trying to say, but it's like, that's what's conveyed. It's like, Oh, she's running through Disneyland with this triumphant music. It's like, no, she's lost now. Might get kidnapped. Mike, who the fuck? Right. Like, this, this is not a beautiful. Triumphant. Yeah, she's. It's not triumphant. It's a six-year-old that just ran away. Right. And who knows what's going to happen to her? Yes. And the security um, guard's going to find her. He's going to. He's going to take her to the office. She's going to go to bureau of child welfare. It's not going to. It's not going to be good. Life is. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. And yeah. So I finally saw Ma, and I was like, Oh, this is this is lazy. Um, 
Because yeah. all three of us were going to do an episode about it, and then M. Tume was like, nope, I'm not going to watch that yeah. movie, guys. And I was like, okay. I just find, I find I tr- things triggering. I tried to... I, yeah, I also tried to watch that movie Terrell. Oh, and, uh, what's that? It's it's get out it's get out with it's get out if get out was mumblecore. <laughs> they even cast the same guy, Caleb Landry Jones, who's also in Get Out, is in Tyrell. And also, the Florida and the, in, Florida, and the Florida, Florida Project. Project. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. It's totally yeah, I think it's funny. Just like how Robert Altman poked fun at in the player, how throughout the movie there's this joke where people are trying to do their elevator pitch. It's like it's pretty woman meets such and such, right. which is how it was in, in the late eighties, early nineties. Nowadays, it's it's Get Out, but it's it, it, it really is. And I like Get Out. I love Get Out, but now it's like I don't even want to say that out loud because Get Out spawned way too many shitty movies. That's the that's the unfortunate thing if a movie gets popular, you know, especially 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 a genre movie. Like a genre movie gets popular, you got about at least five years of regurgitation of it. Yep. And one 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 thing about the Florida Project, which which again is like visually gorgeous, but kind of just like um, poor porn. It's just like totally. Well, look at his last Tangerine. Tangerine was that also? Yep. Yeah, I'm not even going to talk about that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did y'all funny. ever see? A, I met one Did of his producers, see- uh, Sean, Sean Baker, uh-huh. and I had to be... She was like, yeah, he's, I work with Sean Baker. And I was like, good. And I had to like really fake huh. my face. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Right. I mean, I don't even think The Florida Project is a bad movie. It's just... I had a lot of problems. I had some issues with it. Um, did y'all ever see Escape from Tomorrow? No. No. It's a psychological horror movie where they they. I I I thought about it because um, the Florida Project they stole the last scene at Disney World, Disneyland. I don't know whichever the one in Florida oh, is. Oh, I did see that movie. I saw it at the. I, I'm sorry, huh. I forgot the name of the. Yeah, the the Disney yeah, movie so, where it's like mad so creepy. I at saw, the yeah. end, at the end of the at the end of the Florida Project, they you know they shoot. They had to shoot guerrilla style, for the scene in Disney World because shooting. In Disney World is famously difficult. Yeah. yeah, and it reminded me of the movie Escape from Tomorrow, which was premiered at Sundance uh, the same year that Newlyweeds was at Sundance, and movie that we talked about last week, uh, It Felt Like Love, was was at Sundance. Love that movie. Um, which makes me think about one thing about Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which we spoke about last week, that I didn't think about until I edited the video edited the episode but um escape from tomorrow is a psychological horror about this guy losing his mind on vacation at disney and it was shot on location at disney and they stole the entire movie they just filmed it (laughs) guerrilla style over over a year and it was edited in south korea so so disney wouldn't find out about it he so when it premiered at Sundance, they were like, this movie's never going to come out. Disney's not going to let it come out. And right. Disney realized that it, the, the movie was small enough that they could, that them not doing anything was better for them. Well, I'm going to see this. And it's a, it's really interesting. It's, yeah, it is. You can find it to stream for like a dollar. 
Yeah, it's worth it checking out if only for the in it's the ingenious way of how they did it. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's a it's a cool it's a cool movie. That's what I'd say mm-hmm. about it. But oh, and Tume, did you see Never Rarely Sometimes Always? No, I'm gonna watch that tonight. Okay, so I'm not gonna say too much about it, but um, one thing that I really that really fucked with my head, Marcus, when I started editing our episode with Saskia last week, is mm. you remember at the beginning of the movie that that the character is playing a song at a talent show. Yeah. The song that she sings. Yeah, um, the lyrics, yeah. The lyrics when you when you actually realize what what the movie is about. Uh, is really sinister. So that's all yeah. I'm going to say about that. Yeah, yeah. I wish I didn't know about the movie hmm. because I, I, I already got, you know, but yeah, but Scott's right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll say no more myself. Yeah, because, so the movie opens with the main character singing He's Got the Power by Exciters. And you don't take much account of the meaning of it until later in the movie. Mm-hmm. And when I was editing our episode last week and I decided to use the original song as our as our as our lead out song and I was listening to the lyrics and I was like, Oh wow. But that's what good filmmaking is. It makes yeah. you really think about stuff towards the end about it. But since we are we've been recording for quite some time. Oh wow. Yeah, over an hour. I I think we should we should try to lead into the other film that we were planning on talking about today. Let's do it. So there's a Ken Loach, prolific English director, comes out with a new, with a movie this year called Sorry We Missed You, which is sort of about the destruction of a family unit due to the need for money the father of a of a family takes on a job that's like sort of working for a business but sort of independent contracting for a truck and this job which is supposed to promise to bring them more money and more security slowly tears apart this family which is a which is like a a nuclear family father wife son daughter and yeah. like you know, the the elevator pitch, it's like, man gets a job, the job destroys family, is the basis of the movie, but it's so much more complex than that. Oh, and 100%. I just was like, oh, this is, this is basically, in many ways, if you think about the film Sorry to Bother You by Boots Riley, which is a very over-the-top sci-fi romp about the problems of gig economy and capitalism and unions and and then you have this movie which also has the word sorry in it and is a damning take on what capitalism can do you see how to take a relaxed metered way of approaching this topic and it was fucking devastating and i yeah, it it's was. funny i can't lie and as someone who wasn't personally a fan of Sorry to Bother You. I got a lot of love for Bruce Riley, just the movie wasn't for me. Um, I was I immediately thought of it because of the title. They were just so similar, and because of their premises, both attacking the gig economy. But mm-hmm. this movie, I thought, nailed 
the gig economy. As someone who like lived in a yes. gig economy for a lot of a lot of years of my life, and may go back have to go back to it at some point. Um, it was so accurate. Like, I, you know, and it's funny. Like, I, I think me and Marcus were texting that, like, you know, I, I, I have been watching actually a lot of Ken. I've been catching up on Ken Loach's filmography, but he definitely had like a period of movies that I didn't really get, uh, get really get into. Like, with, like, like, wind shakes the barley and things like that. I wasn't really that into those, into that movie, stuff like that. It's just not a very. I like his more. I like his more recent stuff. Like, I, I, I liked I Daniel Blake, right? I did like that, but then. But I wasn't necessarily expect. Like, I was like, I'm going to go see this movie, right? You know, let me go check it out. It's actually the last movie I saw before quarantine. Same. So I was like, let me go. I went to Film Forum, you know, and I had a, I was, I was going to go teach a class after, you know. And I was like, let me just go watch this movie. And, man, I knew, like, ten minutes in this was going to be deep. But the end of the film like, kicked me in the chest so hard that... I felt I felt sick. Yeah, afterwards. me too. And honestly, there was this woman. She was an older woman, and she looked at me, and she saw me like emotional. I was crying, and she looked at me, and she said, and she shook her head, and she said, "What a life!" <laughs> and I said to her, "I was like, yes." And we just kind of like shook our heads together and just had a moment, and we left. Again, you walked yeah. out. It's older woman. I don't know her name, nothing, but we just had this like really powerful moment together because we had to we were so taken right yeah i mean i i watched the movie at you both of you's recommendation and I, I i watched it in i watched it in quarantine and i was i felt sick to my stomach yeah. which which when art does that is always so so beautiful even though i found the story reprehensible and you know the destruction of a family is never i watched so many you know i mean so many movies are about familial destruction and i think about this movie that came out last year fighting with my family mm. i heard about that i never which saw is it about that's a good movie it's a, yeah it's a good movie it's about it's about a family that that are gig economists, except they're wrestlers, which is like and loose and, and you know, based on a true story. Oh yeah, 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 I heard about and, this movie. Yeah, yeah. So I've watched though, Marcus. I watched that. I watched that movie that you had me watch last week. Main event. That was that. That was not great. Main event. I didn't care. Oh, well, yeah. I didn't care so for that I mean, one. <clears throat> I didn't realize that it was like it was like a '90s ch- children's film. But with oh, wrestling yeah. characters, I don't want to sound snobbish. Like, don't take that movie seriously. But yeah, don't take it too serious. I only said yeah. that because it just had Keith Lee. Look, black wrestlers don't get a lot of attention these days. Right. Like, WWE is really putting a lot in, into into him. So I'm very excited. Whenever a black wrestler gets a belt and any kind of, I, I get excited. So yeah, the, plus Kofi the, the, Kingston was in it, and he's you know right. The he's like, the black character, the black characters in the movie were were really thoughtfully represented. So there so there and the char- yeah, all the the characters are three dimensional for a one dimensional movie. But anyway, Fighting with My Family is a movie about these British working class family of wrestlers who and wrestling is famously controversial for being that you're considered an independent contractor. Yeah. Very similar to this movie, where 
there's this idea. I just thought about the two movies connected because they're that movies makes sense. about yeah, British totally. families who yeah. are who are gig economists. Yep. And though in fighting with my family, they get a break that brings the family together, even though at first it doesn't, but then it does yeah. through through this work. But Vince McMahon is not is famously not good to his workers. And in this movie, it's famously like this it's a lie that it's that it's a that you're an independent contractor because you're not really yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah just how like just how being like a taxi driver if you don't own a medallion you're not really an independent contractor oh. you know what i mean there because there's laws and liens and and all of these things connected to it and i you know that song like i owe my you know i owe my life to the company store you know so Right. Well, it's it's interesting because like Loach, like I, I one of the things I, I had saw someone write an article about Loach that was like totally off base and I thought mean spirited. Um, and remember after his mar after after the Marvel thing that came out when he made his Marvel comment. Yeah. And they were saying, yep. "Well, Ken Loach is out of touch." And I'm like, huh. I don't know, man. If you watch Sorry We Missed You. There is no way that man is out of touch because that guy got the gig economy down to a T. Like that boss, that that yeah. is the archetype. Like that is the the way they do it, where they they constantly gaslight you about, well, this is your own um, work, but we need you to obey by these rules. Like they're constantly giving you all this double double speak and making you feel like if you yeah. can't come to work because your child is sick. That you are somehow um, causing pain to the company, and it's your fault. Yeah. And the thing is, Ken Loach is in his 80s. So the the fact that he's still, like, growing and making beautiful art. Whenever, you know, like, rest in peace, Bill Withers, he started his career in his 30s. So whenever people, whenever people, or like Ka was around for years, but really hit his stride a few years ago. Early so whenever 40s. like yeah. early 40s. That's, that's, that's so whenever people it inspires me like I'm like wait maybe my best art hasn't even been created yet. Uh, right? You know that David that Lynch Ken was, Loach uh, 30. David Lynch was 30 when he made Eraserhead. I mean he was in the art world but in terms right. no knows David right. Lynch is a movie director. Eraserhead was made when he was 30. So I mean Nuri, Nuri Bill J Seelin was almost was 40 when he did his first feature. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, so the fact that, like, Ken Loach... And there's that Portuguese dude who was making movies into his 90s as well, so... Hundreds. No, Manuel... Hundreds. Uh, Oliveira. Yeah, he was 103 when wow. he passed away. Still directing. Manuel de Oliveira. Yeah. So, I... I it and, and, like, there were, like... His last movie wasn't even bad. Like, it was pretty good. So, so people saying that, that Ken Loach is doesn't understand what he's i'm just saying that's it's almost absurd. ageist it is uh, it like is gross. ageist i think it totally is ageist it's like he well hip-hop is one of the most ageist yeah things. that's real and i just i keep on i keep on saying like you know not everybody you know i love egon sheila and lots of young artists but they're you know we need to allow the world to have saisons too you know and when I think of when I think of sorry we miss you, I think of how how Amazon and all these other companies are taking over what work looks like in 
and especially with the COVID pandemic, we I have no idea what the workforce is going to look like in six months. Yeah, yeah, real talk. And and so like, you know, Saskia and I both being both doing a lot of freelance work, it's scary. Yeah. And so this this okay. this movie uh, this movie couldn't have hit at a better time, and also because I've been. I've been reading a lot of Simone Weil, and I I've been thinking about, you know, institutions like Walmart, or that there's this small business bailout right now in our country, and Big somehow Shack. businesses businesses like Shake Shack are getting and small Ruth, business Ruth stimulus. Chris. Yeah, uh, well, from what I read, Ruth Chris is being like pretty cool about what they're doing. They're like planning on paying it back and stuff like that. Well, Shake Shack gave and them. You, Shake Shack gave the money back after the bad PR. But they shouldn't apply for it right, in the first but place. But if they, but so Shake Shack is a is by no means a small business, and they got this gigantic stimulus package, and they would have kept it if it wasn't for the bad optics. Yeah. But that's not that's not who that's not what these loans were. Are meant for all optically, but that's <laughs> but that's who's going to benefit from it. But what's really impressive is is a is Cheesecake Factory was like we're not paying rent, and and I was hoping that that was going to inspire, you know, more lenient landlords like this guy in Greenpoint who waived the rent for April. Um, Greenpoint, Brooklyn, he has like four gigantic buildings, probably lost hundreds of thousands of dollars but was like don't worry about it see that's what i'm talking about right and like the dude didn't try to publicize it at all in fact when when people tried to write articles about it he was like i'm not a hero i make lots of money but let me not make money this month that's okay and then you have like this guy in philadelphia who had an empty hospital and wouldn't let it be used because the 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 offer he was given wasn't high enough, so the oh, the value yeah it's like super fucked up, and it was like millions of dollars. So there's an empty hospital. There's empty hospitals in the middle of a pandemic that aren't being used because the money's not right. So I thought hmm. this. I thought sorry we missed you, is a very important, timely document about what happens when you place cost over the importance of life. So then you have you you have these people who have children or elderly or elderly relatives or lung problems who are afraid to work their jobs right now because of physical safety that feel like they have to, that are being manipulated into it, which sorry we missed you really touches on. And then um I'm not gonna for this one I'm not going to spoil the last scene, oh. but when I tell you the last scene, everyone I spoke to that's seen this movie is like, wow. Well, the, it, it was the last, I'm not going to say what happens in the last scene, it's just so much as like my experience of it, because I was, uh, I forgot, when I was watching, I saw Fox and his friends um, for the first time by Fassbender. That's, my, that's one of my favorite yeah, that's me, me too. It's incredible. And the ending of that movie, I said, exists on two planes. It's the ending you know the movie should have, 
but that you really hope on a human level doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. So sorry we missed you had that. Like, it's the movie that like, I know... To make this a great movie, he had to do it that way. He couldn't go... Right. He couldn't, like, rub us. But I didn't want that to happen. Like, my, my, my human side did not want him to do what he finally decides to do. Yeah, but realistically, he had to. You, know it, you know he does. He had to. He like, had a choice. Like... If you think of the movie The Wrestler, the last yeah. scene, you want him to you want him to not do what he does. You got a ram jam. But he can't. You got a ram jam. He has to. Yeah. He has got a to ram jam. <laughs> so So the thing about the ending also, without even saying anything, there there's a big so Going back to movies that, to some degree, kind of spoon-fed, this movie does that in in minor parts, and it doesn't bother me. Just from the set, it's just like, hey, this is your walkie-talkie. This is important. Don't let anything happen to it. Well, okay, something obviously is going to happen. To right, Chekhov, Chekhov's or, gun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, that. Or, or the, 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 there's multiple things. Like, you know, there's this whole deliberation about, like, getting a car, getting buying a van. It's like, well, he's going to be stuck with this van. Like, there's so many, like bookmarks and benchmarks in this movie it's like well this is obviously going to happen and it and 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 i'm not let down by it like it's just one it, yeah. it, it doesn't bother me what's a matter of fact i actually enjoy it it's just like when is it well not enjoy it but it's just like i appreciate that he builds you up for well i guess because so many other things happen you forget about the speech that you know you're given about this walkie-talkie slash chuckoff's gun you you forget that it's just like oh she sold her the wife sold her car so he could get this van and live out his dream. Like you, all these things are set yeah. up and it's just like, well, obviously the worst is going to happen and it keeps happening, but it makes the movie better. In, 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 well, in, in, in a way I think also, cause it's not just him who's going through it. Like I thought it, the, the way the movie is like publicized, you think it's about him, but it's his wife also. His right. wife too. His wife totally represents. I said this also, also in, in the review on Pinland Empire, it's like there's certain lines of work where genuinely nice people not even she's not necessarily even afraid to say no because she does in the movie her character she's just a genuinely caring nice person it's just in her she's just born that way and employers exploit that from people like she it's friday night she's with her family and then she has to go take care of someone because no no one else will and her job knows well she's the nice one she's not gonna say no yeah oh Man, no that 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 film. I, I've been encouraging everyone to see it, and I, I told them I said it's the film that if someone wants to argue about our society and say it's actually good, show them that movie, and if they still say that, they're an asshole. Sure, sure, they're an asshole. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Especially because like, because also like a lot of these jobs aren't gonna exist. You know, I have a lot of issues with Andrew Yang. Same. But his, but his, but his thoughts that were that so much of the workforce is going to be lost to drones is accurate. No, he's, he's right, and you're gonna you're gonna see, especially after all of this rises from the dust, how many jobs can be done by robots that save us from getting sick that'll be that'll be the tagline that'll be the manipulation well having this job done by a drone means that less people will be infected you know what i mean yeah so so that's important and i also want to touch upon i like when people are unafraid to work with convention 
So sometimes there will be so what? people you, you who broke up a little bit. You're not, you're uh, convention, yeah. convention, oh, 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 or right. or expectation, right? Right. right so right. there there are people who will use a Chekhov's gun as a MacGuffin to make you think that something's going to happen there, and then they don't. And that's fun sometimes, like the postmodernist approach of I'm gonna exp- you're gonna expect that this is gonna happen and I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. And then the the hesi- the anticipation of it will mess with you. And then but then there's also when a true a true master of their work knows when to use use the old functions and the expectations and models. So when 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 the foreshadowing is presented here, it really works when it when when the things happen later. Mm. <clears throat> and it it Absolutely. takes it t- it takes someone who really knows what they're doing to use convention smartly. And um, I recent Sasuke and I recently watched um, Pain and Glory, Al Motivar's newest movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, right. This dude, at the end of the day, is an incredibly talented director and knows how to work with conventions in a really smart way. So when you think certain things are going to happen or you worry certain things are going to happen, he you don't know whether he's going he's gonna to go for it or not go for it. But I sort of want to talk, talk about that movie deeper, and but I feel like... I feel like we're at a pretty good closing point. I hear that. Sure. Do you guys have anything you'd like to add about Sorry We Missed You before we close up? Uh, it's it's my favorite movie of the year thus thus far. Maybe alongside Joan of Arc, but it's it's one of two, you know, of yeah, my favorites. I think Sorry We Missed You probably is my favorite. I, I'd, have to, I'd have to think about it for a second. I want to, I encourage people, like, I mean, you know, this virus is, you know, really unfortunate and i don't want to say a good thing about it i don't want to say that but you know sorry wish you was one of those movies that like people weren't going to be able to see but like film form i think even and even bam have you can you can you can rent it now yeah like i would i encourage people to check it out like really watch it like especially maybe it didn't it wasn't going to come to your city or come to your place but like check it out now like i i don't think people are going to be disappointed watching that film. It's heavy, you know. Yeah, you'll be yes. Don't have plans to, like, you know, have a good Zoom call with your friends after it. Nah, it's not one right. of those movies. Right. <laughs> but I really encourage folks to see it. Man. Yeah. Right, and one, one interesting thing about watching <laughs> movies in the pandemic is that we we're so... We have such a nice luxury of living in in big cities when it comes to quote-unquote art house or independent or experimental film. So we get get opportunities to see movies in theaters or see movies at a time where a lot of people don't get to. So the one positive is that if you live in a small town, you can watch movies now on through BAM or through Filmlink or through Kino now way before you'd be able to get a chance to so that's that's kind of neat yeah so there's a lot of opportunities and one more thing is that i've i through through my lovely partner saskia i've discovered 
Turner Classic Movies the greatest TV channel of all time. I'm so jealous. I don't have that. I can't get that channel. I'm so, so jealous. So if you if you live in America and have cable TV, Turner Classic Movies always has commercial-free, unedited movies 24 hours a day. And they've just been killing it. Killing it, killing it, killing it. We watch, we watch something great all the time or or something that I wanted to see or something different and yeah. Saskia Saskia had me watch Koyaniskatsi uh, two days ago which is brilliant and sort of about the destruction of of America through capitalism in a way yeah in a way and if you Here's what I'll say to our to our European listeners is that if you can download the TCM app cuz you can watch all their movies on the TCM app and they require you to give a cable password or something send me a DM You know what I mean? I'll try to I'll try to help you out. All right. I'm not saying I'm not saying I would ever pirate anything, but I'm just saying <laughs> I yeah. think I think in this time there are so many streaming services that I think it's actually a public good to sh- to to help out people with your passwords. So, um, you know, because I think that's the right thing to do. And and on that note, I think uh, M two me. It's always a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to be here. Good to see you both. I don't think any I don't think anyone's been on our show. As many times as you have, and they'll never even be able to catch up to you because we're Shaking not going to stop having you on. Yeah. Yes. Thank y'all. And I and I look forward to giving you a big hug in person the next time I see you. Indeed. Same here, both of you. <laughs>